Segabits presents Sega Talk, a podcast talking all things with your hosts, George and Barry. Just want to let you guys know before the episode starts, uh, I had some problems with the recording, and so some of the recording sounds a little like not as high quality. Here, let me get my. Okay, I'm it recording. It kind of gets better as the episode goes on, but uh, I tried the, my best to clean it up. So uh, uh, here's the full episode. Hello and welcome to Sega Talk episode number forty-six. I'm your host George, and with me is Barry. Hello. And today this episode is ta- dedicated to Tyler uh-huh. Olu. Is that how you say his last name? He supported us on sure. the $20 tier. Uh, so that means he got a Sega Talk episode he wanted. He decided to pick Binary Domain, the 2012 third-person shooter by uh, Ryu Ga Gotoko Studios, which we're going to be calling Yakuza Studios because... Even at this time, all the well, first of all, I don't want to say Japanese words as much as I don't like all the time during this whole podcast. And plus, they didn't have a name then, though. This is actually when the name first started coming out. When binary, oh right, okay. But in Japan, in America, a lot of uh, English websites were still calling them like Yakuza Studios or Yakuza Team because that that that's basically the Japanese name for Yakuza, the the brand. Right. this game is actually quite important to recent Sega history, and one of the sticks that broke the camel's back when it comes to Sega Japan and Sega West's relationships. Uh, so this should be kind of an inter- interesting episode because we kind of like actually had the website up and running, and we covered a lot of this, including having a interview with uh, Negoshi, the uh, one of the producers of the game, and direct co-director. Um, so. Like every episode, every time we open this up, we always talk about our history with the game. And like I said, we did cover this game. So let tell us your memories of the game and what do you think of the game now? Um, well, this is a special one for me just because uh, being a part of Sega Bits, this was really the first game that we covered from uh, initial announcement through to release. I think a lot of games we kind of inherited when we came in. Like I think stuff like... Uh, the All-Stars game and Bayonetta were still, like, we knew about them prior. Um, but in this case, yeah, with the 2012 release, um, and, you know, uh, I, I think you see here, uh, we got a whisper of it, you you said, not to read ahead, uh, end of November 2010, and Segabit started February yeah. 2010. So, so we were really, you know, this was a ground floor sort of game for us, and the great thing was, like you said, we had Sega's ear and we were like, Hey, can we interview Nagoshi? And, um, I thought that was a huge deal at the time. Um, the Yakuza games, I was not playing them because I didn't have a PS3. So this was my first taste of the studios games. I will be upfront. I did not finish this game. I did not a hundred percent it. And I can't even claim to have played half of it. I hate to say that. Um, I just, I, I love the game. I loved what I played. I loved what I saw and I think just I was overwhelmed by uh, the scope of it and the gameplay and I think a lot of other games already releasing at that time. 
but I'm really looking forward to discussing it. What's your history with the game? Well, I mean, I covered it. I reviewed it on the website. So I guess if you guys really want to know what I thought about it back then, you guys could uh, read the full review. But basically, I really liked it. I think I was at a time where, like, I was following the franchise, the Yakuza franchise, since, like, the PS2 days. It was like... I even have a demo somewhere where, like, I went and bought the official PlayStation magazine because they had a Yakuza 1 demo, and I just wanted to play it. Mm. I was, like, so hyped because I really believed that the Yakuza franchise was going to be the next big thing for Sega. And it's crazy because I was, like, 10 years after I bought that demo disc that it finally became a little bit bigger, and there's an actual fan base in the West. Mm. Um, and I thought maybe... And I was kind of, like... It, this was at a time where 4 was already out, and... Um, they just announced five to be out the same year as binary domain. So to me, I was like, I I think I've had enough Yakuza, which is funny because I always feel like every new Yakuza game, I'm always like another one, dude, let's do something new. Right. And every single time the new game comes out, I'm like, wow, they, they added this and it, and it really changed the game. And now I, I'm back in, I love this game. And binary domain right. was one of those times where I was like, wow, we're finally going to get the Yakuza studio to do, something totally different that's not Yakuza related. I guess it would probably be like, I guess it's not the same, but like Sonic Team when they made, I guess, Riskar, because it, no, it's I, something different. I was just about to make that comparison yeah. because I, I feel like um, Binary Domain and now finally uh, with Judgment, um, those games kind of sit on a shelf next to the Yakuza games, just like you'd think of Sonic Team and then Ristar and, um, and all the Saturn games that Sonic Team worked on. Um, I just have to ask: Was the uh, the recent Monkey Ball HD game was that from the Yakuza team as well? Yeah, it looked like it was like a smaller team, okay. but with some of the people from the Yakuza studio like overseeing. It seemed like okay, so it seems like they're finally dipping their toes back into it. I mean, I'm jumping ahead again, yeah, but um, yeah. yeah, that's that's cool. I mean, I just I feel better now about Binary Domain than I did uh, just after the release. So my to answer the question of what my opinion of it is now, I feel like it's it's one of those games I think a lot of people are going to start returning to. People are just starting to return to Vanquish, mm, I feel, yeah. um, in part because of the HD re-release. But I really think Binary Domain is deserving of a, uh, a re-release right now. And um, it's on PC. Am I wrong? Uh, yeah. Well, Vanquish is on PC. Uh, Binary Domain is on PC. Binary Domain. Yeah, it's on PC. Okay, so, I mean, there's that, but I, I just feel like it's about time for them to give it a, at least a digital release. That would be nice. Yeah, and they've done it with Bayonetta and Vanquish, like you said, so it would be cool to get it 60 frames per second. So, let's talk about the history of Binary Domain. The first time we even got a whisper of the game was back in November 29, 2010. It was a 2chan leak, which is funny because I don't know if the board's still up, but back then... They were leaking games all the time, especially Sega games for some reason, and especially Famitsu issues. So they did an early interview with Nagoshi where he talked about his upcoming brand new IP that the Yakuza studio was doing, but was working with Western developers at Sega West, which looking back at some of the information I've seen, he was working with Sega Europe. I, I'm almost 100% sure. Early Japanese descriptions say it had a... The 2chan description said it had a monk shooting robots. Uh, this is not a monk. It was actually our boy Big Big Bo, which people just assumed he was a uh, a monk. 
Uh, and early on, the biggest point of Binary Domain was that the Yakuza studio was going to be wanted to have a worldwide hit. It was like their big thing. They were saying they were working on this because they felt like the aesthetics and stuff would resonate with worldwide audiences. And they even said that they felt like Yakuza was... Not that it was too Japanese, but it was too aimed at Japanese without any thoughts outside of the market of Japan. So they assumed that this was hmm. going to be the game that would break them overseas. Um, even though it was basically still set in Tokyo, but you had a, I guess, American and uh, European uh, characters all over the world. Uh, what did you think of Binary Domain trying to merge a Japanese studio and have it, and have games like aimed outside of Japan? This is like a trend during like 2008 to like 2012. Where Capcom and Namco, mm -hmm. they all wanted to have like either a third-person, first-person shooter. What do you like? Yeah, I I definitely saw that trend at the time. You'd look at games and you'd be like, "Wait, is this even made in Japan? Is it looks like a Western game?" Um, at least at least with this game, though, you, you could definitely tell it was made in Japan. But you totally saw what they were trying to go for, especially after the Yakuza games, which were. Um, very Japanese. I, I don't want to say niche titles, but they definitely had their audience. And with this one, it, it was really breaking out more. It was taking elements of, um, uh, what, like Blade Runner, yeah, yeah. Um, Snatcher, uh, Kojima games, um, even, you know, just like third person shooters. Like, uh, what, what's that one with the big burly men yeah, that people uh, like? Yeah, Gears of War. Gears of War, yeah. So I mean, it, and and then of course there were all the different um, ethnic ethnicities and nationalities going on. Um, it, it was very clear that and the main character too. Like I know we'll get into him, but yeah, he's such a boring white man. <laughs> Just when you look at the box art and everything, yeah. I, I feel like a lot of these like decisions that we we're talking about, like the characters. I feel like a, a lot of the characters might have not been totally Yakuza Studio, like. I felt like they did take a lot of advice from uh, outside, like, oh, what would Americans want? And Or they were probably playing Gears, and I don't know if a lot of people played Gears. I, I've only played the first one, and I kind of felt the, the characters to be kind of bland. Um, mm -hmm. So I kind of feel I, I kind of feel that way about Binary Domain. Like, there's some characters where I'm like, oh, this character was cool. This character had its moments. But Dan, not really. I never really cared about Dan. Not the way I care about, like, Hazuma or anything. So Damn. <laughs> let's talk about while Negoshi did say that bi uh, Binary Domain had a lot of contribution with Sega West in its production, shaping the way the game turned out. He also turned around and had interviews where he doubled down saying his studio, uh, he had a made in Japan studio uh, stance. Binary Domain, uh, this is what he said. This is a quote. Bin <laughs> Binary Domain was made by a Japanese studio and is set in Japan. It's very much a made-in-Japan game. So now we must make a game that makes people realize that made-in-Japan is a good thing. I could change my name to, I don't know, James or whatever, and make a game. <laughs> but that's not me. I'm Nagoshi. And I, and anyone can tell that I'm Japanese. Um, while Binary Domain is set in Japan, made by a Japanese studios, do you, uh, if you didn't know the game was made by Sega or a Japanese studio, would you know that by the box art or the trailers? Oh, oh, well, box art, especially in America, looks very American. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
does not look like, and I actually even did an article. I don't know if you you looked at it I, at I, all. I, Remember it's that? Part of the, it's part of the it's part of the show. I oh, actually, I can't wait. I put okay. it in the end so we can talk about it. Great. Yeah. So I'm done. <laughs> you're done. Okay. So I have to <laughs> I have to agree. Like I felt like they really wanted to kind of westernize it and just give enough leeway to them. Like we're gonna be it's gonna be set in Japan. Uh, it's made by a Japanese studio, and I feel like a lot of the other settings, like the character dialogue and stuff, probably was out of their hands because there is some quirkiness to it and like uh, charm that Yakuza has with Kane, the robot. But I felt like a lot of mm-hmm. it was like, "Oh, we gotta work together." Oh, and like try, I don't know, it, it was just strange. It, some some of it was strange. Some of it was great. So I I don't know. It's it's kind of weird, but. Let's get into the other part. Uh, another interesting note during development was a quote by Dai, Daisuko Sato, who is still strong in the team. And he was at the Yakuza 6 American launch party. He's the one that did the, the signings. I don't know if you remember that event. Oh, the one we were invited to? Yeah, we right. didn't go. Yes. Uh, where he basically <laughs> told the Gamers Hub he was fed up with Yakuza games during this time when he was uh, promoting Binary Domain. Well, Binary mm-hmm. Domain was created by the same team, this is his quote, that worked in all the Yakuza series, as well as another division that we came together to become a large team. We had become fed up with the Yakuza series as we felt that four games spanning both PS2 and PS3, we had taken the series as far as we needed to go for now. We felt that moving into some new territory would be nice, and we all quite liked the idea of bringing the world of science fiction to life. Uh, what are your mm. thoughts on Sato's uh, thought that the Yakuza franchise has reached its point with four main titles, even though we're getting Yakuza 7 later this year? I mean, he has a point, but I think what they learned is that they the next step would be to perfect the games and um, perfect the systems. And then I think once they really hit their stride with, um, I want to say, Zero, they went back and they were like, we can remake these games even better. So there was a string of of really jumping backwards and doing prequel stories and remake stories. And then, you know, they, they tied a nice bow on it with Yakuza 6. And I think 7, honestly, outside of the title, it, it really does feel like a new series, at least as new as, as Judgment feels. If anything, Judgment feels more like Yakuza 6 yeah. than I'd wager Yakuza 7 feels like Yakuza 6. Yeah, I agree with which that. Which is <laughs> kind of weird, but um, I think they're learning that, you know, they're they're taking a risk with 7. They're not even calling it 7 over here. They're calling it Like a Dragon. Which um, is the original name in Which Japan. is pretty meta. Yeah. Um, yeah, but with this, you know, I, I, I get what they were going with. Um I mean, this isn't my final word on binary domain. We're still talking about it on the show, but I just feel like in the end, it was um, not, it, it didn't, it just didn't work like Yakuza did. And they did not find a franchise. Not every game has to become a franchise, no. but I think in this case, they very clearly wanted it to become something more than what they ended up with. Yeah, even the ending kind of alludes you know, that these characters are still there and there might be a franchise here, but I mean, we'll get into the sales in the game, but it, this mm-hmm. is actually the first time Yakuza really kind of from the ground up made a brand new type of game because like, like you said, judgment is more like Yakuza than Yakuza seven, but Yakuza seven is still in the world of Yakuza. 
and it's using right. characters, uh, throwbacks, uh, Camarocho. Um, so this is the first time they didn't want to, they didn't use any of that, and they kind of, even though it's still set in Japan, they kind of went their own way. But so that it's interesting, mm-hmm. and they it was probably a nice fresh start for these kind of people. And I do agree. I think that he was kind of wrong in this set, in this way because they did Yakuza Zero, and they became even more popular than it ever was. The whole franchise, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I was going to ask you one more thing. Do you remember all the arguments people had with the Yakuza studio and this game in particular when it was kind of announced? Because, like, this is the time I... where in the West we didn't have all the people memeing uh, Yakuza games. So there wasn't a huge right. fan base. It was almost like there was more fans during this time for Shinyu and people spamming, like, Shinyu looks better than this this game. This game was like garbage. Then there was Yakuza right. Three fans, you know. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what the arguments were. I'm actually actually on our our forums from at the time, which is a really nice uh, time capsule to see what. Because um, like I remember people are talking about. Yeah, I remember people were mad that their graphics engine was never up to par, and I would actually say that binary domain is, has to be using some sort of new graphics engine because. I think this game looks a lot better than Yakuza games have looked like in the past. Uh, I also heard a lot of people basically just dislike the studio for churning down games over and over again, with which people thought had a lot of issues and a lot of cliche story bits. And I think now that people are replaying these games, these Yakuza with the Yakuza collection, they also have the complaints, but I've noticed that they're so minor that they kind of forget about it and they enjoy their time playing these games anyway, even if they have a little bit of issues, you know, like story pacing. Yeah, I remember the early complaints with the character designs. I'm actually seeing here Aki, who we've had on the show mm-hmm. um, and writes for the site. He said, and this was <laughs> 10 years ago, geez, time flies, um, that it looks generic. He saw that the, uh, the characters just looked boring. <laughs> so, and we are going to um, be looking through all the characters, so I guess we'll we'll, we'll be doing a rating of uh, boring or not boring, right? Oh, I like that. Yeah. All right. Um, so, according to early interviews with Negoshi, the game had been in development since the Yakuza Three, which came out in Japan on February twenty sixth, two thousand nine. So let's say it started development right after Yakuza Three came out. And not during development, that would mean that the game had three years of work under its belt. Personally, I think it was in concept designs during Yakuza development, at least. Um, so, mm-hmm. Binary Domain was first announced on December 1st, 2010. Director, uh, well, officially, the, uh, Director Nagoshi uh, said that the idea was to explore what life is by using the concept of robots. Uh, he also said he he wasn't really fond of sci-fi movies or robots, but he thought it was a good way. Uh, this was a good way to use them in in a game, like for what he wanted to do. Uh, even the tagline in binary domain became "Where does the machine end and humanity begin?" We will get more onto this concept later in uh, criticisms the game faced. I also want to bring up this quote from Nagashi himself where he discussed the idea behind the game with Metro UK. One thing I found from my observation of some Western games is that, in terms of drama, the story, not many game developers create a deep and compelling story. So before we get to the characters and the story bit, 
Do you think Nagashi what says here is completely true for Western games, or is this more of a different taste? So he said he said that Western games don't not, don't have a deep and compelling story. I, I, he said some. I think he's. I, I think we're here. What he's talking about. I, when I read the full interview, I think they're talking in the context of first person shooters, and I think he's trying to mention like Call of Duty. I think or like. I guess so, but. I don't know. I feel like the story is almost like at the forefront for most Western games now. And even then, it was very popular. It was very important. Like Uncharted and stuff? Um, yeah, for sure. And, and and these, like even now, like last of The Last of Us, like all people are talking about is story. No one's talking about the gameplay. No. People are like, the game's going to be awful because of what I learned from the story. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I thought you guys liked the gameplay, so I guess people like this. They're treating it like uh, like a TV series, you know? Yeah, I had to... I, <laughs> Rather than a game. I have to say with Nagashi here, it might be that he it's uh, something he doesn't like, but I do agree with you that a lot of American games have story in the front, you know? And um, I feel like Japanese games, not really, though. I feel like more Japanese games are about gameplay or, like... Even arcade games, like we talked about, Outrun. Um, story mm -hmm. is not going to be blowing your mind and winning the Hollywood Oscars for its writing. We're playing it because the atmosphere, the colors, the graphics, uh, the music. And I, I think Japanese people excel at that more. I feel like, some, at least if you look at our Discord, a lot of, our pe a lot of people in our Discord really dislike kind of like story-driven games that I guess they call westernized, right? Where like Uncharted or... Uh, I don't know, Tall Tale mm. games, they all take story and that's how they sell you on it, right? So I have to disagree with him. Yeah, something you see a lot in Western games is the one where the cutscene's kind of going, but then it just continues and they're like, okay, no time to talk now, but wait, tell me about your father. Do, 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 do. And like you're playing the game and you have to focus on playing the game, but they're also filling you in with story and like characters keep talking to you and you're like... Wait, are we doing a cutscene now, or are we playing a game? But the thing is, is they do that a lot in uh, Binary Domain, I felt. I, I feel like there was story points being given during some pretty intense gameplay. Yeah, I, I, um, I do so. Yeah, I do agree that he's being a little hypocritical on this quote. Um, so I guess I'll talk about some about the background of this game. And uh, it has a lot mm. of uh, story for its lore building. So... Binary t uh, Domain takes place in 2080 after global warming ha has caused worldwide floods, leaving a lot of the world uninhabitable. Um, this has forced government to build cities above water lines, usually on top of ruined cities. Since a lot of the world's population died, robots are used as labor forces within, with a U.S.-based company called Bergen, uh, controlling... <laughs> The majority of the produced robots, which means America is an even bigger superpower. While uh, Japanese co uh, robotic company Amada, uh, who, is, who originally created humanoid robots, tries to sue them. Uh, the lawsuit fails and the American company takes 95% of the monopoly on the robot market. Uh, this changes mm. the world economics uh, and leads to the creation of the new Geneva con con uh, Convention. And in the mm -hmm. and in the new clause twenty one, international law had banned research into robots that could pass as humans. These are called hollow children in the in the game. 
since uh, most of the world powers agree to these world rules, uh, we get a new organization called the International Robotics Technology Association, or the IRTA, which is a global task force. Who has a yeah a global task force named Ruscrew, which who deals with these breaches, which is our group of, of boys and girls and robots. Right. And now, at the start of the game, years after the treaty has been signed, an android attacks Bergen's uh, uh, headquarters in Detroit, Michigan, a robot that looked human and didn't know it was a robot. It is believed that Ooh. the robotics genius and founder of Japanese Amada Corporation, Yoji Amada, created this robot. And that means the IRTA sent a group, the Rust Crew, to Japan to find Amada and bring him into questioning. That's the story. Hmm. So... Wow. Okay, so far, it, uh, this is just a setup for the world, mostly, of binary domain. Um, looking, uh, at, uh, looking at the world today, do you think something like this is possible in 2080? I don't know about the technology getting that far, but I could definitely see uh, uh, some country becoming, you know, like taking over a monopoly of some sort of major tech industry. Honestly, like, I can't imagine if Xbox becomes the prominent game studio and all the... <laughs> All the other ones have to kneel before it due to a lawsuit or something crazy. Um, um, yeah. But the story itself definitely, I mean, I've just, what did I just watch recently? It, it feels like Alita Battle Angel mm. mixed with the um, Spielberg movie AI mixed with um, uh, Blade Runner and then a little bit of, um, man, I don't know. I, I just, I feel like this is a big thing right now. Like these, this story was maybe not ahead of its time because some of those ones I referenced predated it or were like adapted later on, you know, from something that predated it. But I don't know. I, I feel like this game would actually do better now yeah. than then. It, it feels like at least this story sounds really interesting and seems like something that people would enjoy now. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I could see it happen. I could see the, the environmental stuff happening for sure. I could see that too. I don't know about the technology getting that, Great, but I can see a patent war with some Japanese and like American company or other countries company, maybe Chinese more than Japan. But uh, yeah, uh, it's funny because I, I didn't know right here, but I noticed that the story of like just the setup is more complex or realistic than something like Halo or Gears of War. Because in Halo and Gears of War, it's kind of like tribalism, it's like the uh aliens came they attacked us now we're over there attacking them back so it's us versus them and in this game it's about the world coming together for and you're playing a diverse crew of mercenaries mm -hmm. or whatever army people to go into a place to find a person and a lot of it is supposed to be about prejudice against robots and about how ro uh, what is life really right uh, and it's, I don't know, it's more questioning in existence and like the future of humanity than something like Halo where you're not really questioning. I don't know. I haven't played all the Halo games, but I never really, I don't think they really question too much the alien races. You're there to like wipe them out. Right. And years of war, right. these aliens that came and they literally come out of the ground and start attacking you and they're all bad guys and they kill your friends. So it's, there's no like gray area. Like in these the hollow children don't know they're hollow children. They're, they think they're human their whole lives. And then now they're dead because they're actually robots. So it's it's more complex, in my opinion, than like 
oh, bad aliens came out of the ground. Humans come together, fight alien. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. Uh, that's why I, I, I always got out of the game, at least. I was like, that's a good concept. I just kind of wish the characters, like, had that weird Yakuza charm, you know? Because a lot of them, I feel like they were kind of blanded out. I don't know why. Maybe they think that's what Americans like. Like, well, you made this character well, too charming. And this is also... Should we play the bland game? The bland game, yes, let's play. Um, the first boy we got up is Dan. Marshall. No, that's Sam Gideon. Is it? It looks exactly the yeah, same. Yeah, from Vanquish. You can, you can, na- you can name every <laughs> any any American character. Yeah, is it? No. Dan is the main character no, we kidding. play as. When I first saw him, I thought Kazuma, but an American army dude. Dan's backstory is that he is born in a lower class family in Nebraska, which leads him to enlist in the U.S. Army in order to escape poverty, where he connects with Big Bo, which is a uh, which both served under the special forces before joining Rust Crew, where Dan earned the nickname Survivor. Uh, Dan is a Ooh. first sergeant. English voice is Travis Willingham, who is best known for Roy Roy Mustang from Full Metal Alchemist. Um, so hmm. he, what do you think, Bland? I think everybody has said Bland with this guy. Um, Bland, but I will say I'm glad they didn't make his face look like super generic like he does have like a long nose yeah you know what i mean like i just think they could have honestly like with the yakuza characters they stand out because they're not pretty boys half the time like they're they have weird unique faces yeah but they like they're very instantly recognizable and i'd never say kazuma is unattractive but he definitely is not like your norm especially with the new the new protagonist like he's even wackier looking but I see him again and again, and I'm like, yeah, I could see him being a handsome guy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I just feel like they could have pushed it a little more. Like, I don't know. You like, what, what's that show um, right now? Jack Ryan has the guy from The Office, and he is like, he's a goofy looking dude, but I think it, it works because he doesn't just look like Tom Cruise, who just has this like, kind of basic face yeah it's true i i don't know uh, i was yeah. gonna put fade next but i agree she he, this guy is uh uh kind of generic i was gonna put fade but uh, for some reason my 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 slide for her is not here so i'll just talk about her she's the chinese love interest uh try to imagine her she looks chinese with black hair um <laughs> can you imagine it um, I mean, let's be honest. She's also I'm looking at her. She's pretty much what you expect a Chinese woman to have: long hair on in a ponytail. Uh, is very mean. Uh, daughter of the People's Liberation Army, uh, Ar- Army officer at the Chinese Central Military Commission. Faye studied under supervision of the People's Liberation Army General Staff Department at the Robotic Military Command Institution. Whew. Okay. She also uh, plays the love interest to Dan. She's voiced by Laura Bailey, who made her debut doing the English voice of Young Trunks and does Blaze the Cat for Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, okay. So so she was the character that people have problems with. Not really her, but her relationship with Dan, who we talked about before. There's a scene hmm. in the game. I couldn't even believe it. I had to actually go and Google it. I read some... Okay, so if, you're, if you guys want to read the article that I got this from... Google, like, binary domain is bad for your head. Uh, and it should be the first uh, Google search. But basically, 
This person uh-huh. says this game is very pro- problematic because of the relationship between Dan and her. In one scene, uh, this is actually kind of bad. Uh, they're trying to do a romantic scene, and uh, uh, she, Dan is bandage, putting bandages on her, and he goes, and she goes, "Wow, you Yankee!" And he turns around and goes, "You rice farmer!" And I was like, "Whoa!" Like Yankee is not a bad term for a American. Like we had Yankee Doodle Dandy the song. If some woman called you Yankee, you wouldn't be like, hey, wait a minute. I'm more than just a Yankee, my dude. I'm a man. Um, Yeah, I mean, a Yankee is an inhabitant of New England or one of the northern states or a person who who lives in the U.S. It's not a very derogatory term, if at all. He lived in Nebraska. Um, Does that count? This. No, not at all. Um, so I mean, it's inaccurate. First off, but both yeah, sides like, because like she's like literally says that she grew up as an army officer's daughter. She's not. But imagine that she's like, "You Yankee," and he goes, "You rice farmer," and she's like, "Whoa, that escalated." <laughs> that escalated quickly, right? What are you doing? Uh, another thing. It's like you say to me, "Hey, bro," and I say, "You, hey, fuck you, asshole," and you're like, "Whoa." So I, I don't know if I want to talk about the next one because it's a plot spoiler for the end, and I've noticed a lot of people haven't played this game. But uh, their relationship in the end, there's a twist, and I don't, I don't think it's worth talking about. And plus, uh, we talked about it off air, and I don't think it's problematic. Uh, maybe we could talk about it in some other form in another time. But uh, I don't wait. The rice farmer thing was what wasn't the worst. Uh, no, there was another part where they go to Japan, I guess, and Big Bo starts flirting with a prostitute, according to the writer. And I couldn't confirm this, so I didn't really write it down, and I didn't really want to talk about it. Uh, she, according to her, it was a 15 year old girl that all the soldiers are like, go have sex with her. So it's like, uh, that's pretty problematic if it's true. Uh, she, I did look, but if we can't even prove it, I think she just looks younger and it's supposed to be a Japanese prostitute, but like, I don't know. It didn't, I don't think they even said like 15 year old prostitute. I don't think they said that in the game at all. I think the writer just saw the, the character model and assumed Oh, this is a pro- this is a fifteen year old prostitute. You could Google the prostitute scene, I guess. On yeah, I see a picture of her here. Actually, she is smaller, right? Um, but I mean, she's small, but she looks like a grown woman. And I think she just looks short. There's also a, a. I mean, this isn't the first time Yakuza Studios has done a teenage prostitute plot. Uh, there was also like this in the first game. There was a uh, Dante the Dante the the detective. Her daughter is doing pro- uh, got scammed and she's doing porn videos in one of the subplots or one of the plots in the game. So I don't know. I think Yakuza game guys do stuff like that 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 is like why? Why would you do that? They do this all the time, even in Yakuza games. I kind of forget about it sometimes when I play them, but a lot of people online seem to like hate the studio for it. So I just wanted to bring that up with some hmm. people, I guess. Um, we also got Big Boy. Uh, Big Bo, uh, Roy Boating, uh, that's his real name, but they call him okay. Big Bo. That's what everybody knows him as, right? Uh, like our main character, Big Bo was born into a lower class working family in Massachusetts and enlisted in the army where he met Dan. Since both have the same backgrounds, they became friends. Big Bo also played football in college. Uh, Big Bo was voiced by Alhim Braham Sap, who does minor roles for video games after this, but uh, he was actually on the reality show Cheaters. 
season 11 hmm. episode 13 in case people listening to this want to watch that episode but someone cheated on him i have no idea i mean is that reality show cheaters even real let's be honest Oh, it's totally real, right? I don't know. I, I'm assuming no. Didn't the host got stabbed? The host got stabbed for real. I maybe, but I, I don't know if it's all of it is real, you know. And I think one of the the most yakuza. Uh, well, what do you think about Big Boat? People had problems with him too because he kind of falls into the big sidekick. Uh, like even in the reveal trailer, which we'll talk about later, he came off kind of like a dumb a dumbo. Like, oh, I'm not that smart. I'm just a big brute. Uh, I think in the game, though, when it actually came out, he he had more, you know, more things going on than just like being the big brute guy. Um, right. But that was people's initial reaction to him. What do you think? Um, we talked about it a bit on the Streets of Rage 2 podcast, where it's just like there's a trend in Japanese gaming with like Final Fantasy 7, this, where it's like, Oh, um, even Burning Rangers, like, if you're going to have a black man, he's going to be the big black guy. Yeah. Um, I think uh, Quartet, too, maybe. Maybe I'm wrong. I forgot if he's black or not. The the old, old Sega game. But, um, yeah, it's just it, it just seems like a common trope. It's not really offensive. It's just kind of like, maybe it is offensive. I don't know. They're just, like, they're taking a body type that I think in Japan they, they assume is more prominent than than it actually is like there's big white guys too big burly white guys but you know it's, it's it, it, more often than not the black man fills that role and it's like i don't know it's, like they should put skate from streets of rage 2 in this instead with skates that'd be awesome dude yeah um the most i would say this is everybody's favorite character that played the game kane a uh uh, you couldn't be di- you could you couldn't have a diverse squad without having a witty French robot named Kane. Kane is named after his serial number CN7. Uh, he offers a lot of ca- ca- compatibilities, including hacking. His deployment with the Rust crew is seen as a test by the IRTA to see if combat androids should join the Rust crew in future operations. Kane's AI system mm. is also designed by data stolen from Amada Corporation patents. Uh, Kane is uh, voiced by uh, John Demetia, who is also known for voicing uh, Dusso Kanuta from uh, Naruto, the the anime. He also voiced a minor character in Valkyrie Chronicles for Sega. Uh, He also voices another character that we'll talk about later. But what do you think about Kane? Because he's my favorite character. I love the scarf. I love the look with the little camo thing, backpack. I like the way he talked. I like the way he acted. I wish there was more silly characters like this, but I feel like something about the game they wanted to make it super serious all the time, so they kind of like well, down. you yeah you you took the words right out of my mouth. Like I agree with everything about him. I think he's the best character of the game. I think he's actually should have been the selling point, and I think this is what Yakuza Studios was best at is making these quirky, fun characters who can still exist in a serious story, but. You love watching them, and you watch love watching them interact with other characters. Just the problem is, Kane didn't have anyone else interesting to interact with, um, and it's a shame because I I couldn't find it. But there, I swear, there's a Sega Bits article where I was like at the time saying like the best new Sega characters, and he was on the list. I just I loved I loved the character, and I just wish they did more with him. And I wish that I think this game would have been more successful if all the characters were kind of on his level of inventive interesting 
quirky, you know, like it's just a shame that he's kind of he's kind of lost to this game. Um, I have to agree, and we don't really talk about him anymore. Kind of like the uh, the villain in Rise of Nightmares on Connect from Sega. Like I think he's a f- really cool character too, but no one talks about him because no one talks about that game really anymore. So yeah, I, I would say not generic. I, I really like his little like uh, polygon look. It kind of reminds me of old Sega Saturn. You know, I think it's cool the design. <laughs> uh, the next girl we have uh, Rachel Townsend, who was born in the UK. Uh, Rachel is known to have high-ranking athletic and having superior abilities and reflexes. She serves alongside Charles Gregory in the MI6 prior to the Rust crew. Ooh. The English voice work is by, uh, by Rachel was done by Nio uh, Wallace, who is best known for her work as Minx in the, sh- uh, I guess, Speed Racer 2008. I don't know. Is that a movie? Um. um. I don't know. So I know there was a movie in the mid two thousands. So I don't know if she, that's who she, who she played, but um, or the voiceover or whatever. But uh, yeah, two thousand eight film. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so what do you think about her? I always thought it was just like she didn't get enough screen time, and I think some. I think one of her plot was that she was working with uh behind. There's this whole thing where they're you're trying to question who the robot is or who the hollow child is, because they're not supposed to know they're hollow children, and. Uh, her being with uh, what's his name Gregory, it kind of gives them like they're friends, but are they friends with you and Bo kind of thing? Right. Yeah. I thought she was fine, but born. They're all very like I don't know. They all have short hair. <laughs> Military, I guess. I mean, you thought I think I mean, yeah. except for for our Chinese uh, Faye character, yeah, she has. But even then, it's like it's pulled back, so most of the time you don't see the ponytail, and she's just like this. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. the, the next, ca- <laughs> if you're watching on video, yeah, you get to, you get to see a, uh, an example. I need a haircut. Yeah, same yeah, here. I that. mean, it's getting ridiculous at this point. Um, Charles Gregory is our last, our next character. Um, Charles is born in the UK again. Like we said, he uh, studied in the Royal Military Institute before joining the British military. He then served with Rachel and MI6, but was forced out when he got hurt. While on duty, which I thought was cool, like seeing a um, person still working who is hurt and disabled was pretty interesting. The way he, you know, they put him into the the game. During the time, Charles participated in British-sanctioned black ops throughout the Asian continent. Charles is actually voiced by a now super-famous video game voice actor named Troy uh, Baker, who is best known for his performance as Joel in uh, The Last of Us, which we talked about earlier. He was all, he has also voiced most of the Batman crew in video games, including the Joker, Batman, Tim Drake as Robin, and Jason Todd as Red Hood. So this guy got a lot of work after Sega, even though he played a super minor character with Sega. After this whole thing happened, he like kind of blew up. He's kind of like the voice actor for Sonic, where he like he's literally almost every character in video game that people talk about, right? Mm-hmm. So, what do you think about uh, Charles Gr- Gregory? He wears a hat. The beanie, yeah. He looks like a robber. He looks sleepy. He looks like a robber. Yeah. yeah. He looks like a sleepy robber, like a French. He looks like a Frenchman. Yeah, I thought he was a French when I was doing the notes, and I was like, oh, he's he's he's, he's from the UK. He kind of looks like he yeah. should be more Am French. I, 
I'm not reading ahead when I say that wasn't there a plan for all the characters to speak different languages uh, and be subtitled? I don't know about that, but I do know there there there's like there was a lot of like work on this game to get the communication system to work in six different languages. So like they wanted you to do voice That's right. voice recognition in six different languages. I don't know if that's I don't right. I didn't think it worked right in English, okay. so we'll get into that next. But the last character is uh, this guy was not really on screen that much, but he was on your codec or your radio. A uh, Phillips, an officer of the United States Marine Corps, who is your major. He's in charge of the Rust crew operations into Japan. He is also responsible for communications between your crew and USMC. Uh, mostly on calm, also voiced by John Dimita, uh, who did the voice for Kane. So he voiced two characters, a typical uh, army guy. Like, literally, this picture looks like anybody that's ever served in the military and, like, for the rest of uh, their whole life, you know? So, any exciting characters? I mean, I think we're all going to agree we're all big Kane fans. So, Kane's the best, right? Kane. Yes. And Big Bo. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just like how he's like, yeah. whoa, what's going on? I just like that he's always so reassuring. He's like, hey, bud, you want to get beers after this? I'm like, nobody asked me <laughs> to get beers, dude. All right, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about some of the gameplay. While I'm not gonna go in through all the all the gameplay, I'm just gonna go on into what made this game unique. Because I mean, we all know how third person shooters or cover based shooters work, you know. So one of the big things that Sega was pushing on this game was this thing called the Consequence System. Uh, according to Sato, the uh, director, the Consequence System is one of the most outstanding, that's what he said, outstanding, uh, features wow. of binary domain. According to the director, this system would allow you to use commands over microphone, like charge, cover me, or ask for help when you're in bad situations. He has this uh, pretty long quote. Um, I'm going to read some of it. In many games, the main character and ally NPCs just act however they want. But such NPCs just work like mob characters that are there to make scenes look more exciting. Binary Domain will allow you to actively reach out to these characters because we're focusing on the meaning of their existence. <laughs> However, you'll be using only one controller, so it's impossible to control the NPCs while moving your own character. <clears throat> Not true. This is why we came up with the consequence system where you can give action orders to NPCs using voice input. You can move the ally NPCs just by talking to the microphone while you have your gun pointed at other enemies. Uh, the team, that's the end of the quote. The team obviously toyed around with, the, uh, with, with added additional tidbits. If you say random phrases in the microphone like I love you or you idiot. Some of the, uh, your responses outside of combat are also supposed to change outcomes of the story or your relationships with a character on your team. This means that the game had four endings since, uh, you know, this whole thing. I'm not going to go through every ending now that we talked about not doing spoilers. But I will mm. say either somebody betrays you, somebody dies, and there's one where... So it's either like three... Uh, like everyone lives and then there's one where like one person dies two three or four so kind of like that it wasn't I, hmm. I would say it's a little overrated the feature i'm gonna be honest with you but some criticism about the system was that the voice recognition didn't work for a lot of people and a lot of these scenario buildings mostly boiled down to the character asking you if you want to drink a beer with a yes or no option 
Also, if you experimented with the voice system uh, and, the M- and the NPC didn't know what you're talking about, it would like lower your trust. Also, if they got in the way of your, you shooting, which happens in like every game, they would not like you. It would lower your trust. So you had to be like literally perfect. I remember that I got the best ending, but like I had to restart all the time because I shot Bo or I did something dumb, you know? So that was kind of, it kind of made me annoying, but uh, did you play around with the, with the voice system when, when you played it or did you just go, cause you could just use the controller. Like there was the options where you could just cover me with the D pad and you didn't have to use the microphone at all. I, I did play around with it. It didn't work well for me, so I stopped using it. Plus, as you mentioned, like if you make a mistake, then it lowers their trust, and you're like, dude, I'm just trying to talk to you. Like, imagine you call someone on the phone, and like the call drops, and they're like, I don't really trust that guy anymore. And you're like, it wasn't me, it was the phone. It, it's like, <laughs> it's just like, uh, there's been games, I, I think there's one on PS2 that also had this idea where you could. But instead, it was like you move the character, but go to the door, and then the character's supposed to go to the door. Um, none mm-hmm. of that stuff ever works. And there's even a video of, uh, the, you know how uh, Giant Bomb, the website, does uh, quick plays? There's one where they're playing mm-hmm. this game, and they keep on doing, like, um, they keep on asking them, uh, they keep on asking them um, Big Bo. Like, there's like a uh, a menu system where you can say the words, and Sega tells you you said it correct or not, so you could test it. And they keep on saying Big Bo, yeah. and they're like Big Bo, you know, like the Sega. And the, nope, they wouldn't recognize it. It took them like 20 tries. So, yeah, not <clears throat> not great. Um, I, I would say That's they should have just stuck to like decisions, like kind of like Mass Effect, because in Mass Effect you come to a person, you're having a conversation. And then you choose the outcome, and depending on how you know the characters, you could just choose it from there. And it's not this weird like cover me. Like honestly, like you could just do that with a D pad. So I don't know. I think I think they should have really. They they thought it was gonna be a lot of night, and it was a lot of work. They had to do it for six languages. Maybe it works best in Japanese. Wow. So I only used it in uh, English, and it didn't work that well. So whatever. The next thing I really liked about the game was. Robot damage. Uh, some, this is something that the, the team didn't really talk about when they uh, kind of like um, promoted the game. But I thought it was really cool because like you could shoot an enemy in the legs and then they would crawl at you. You could shoot their arms off and then they would try to run at you with their hands like a horror movie. It's like these robots would not <laughs> stop coming at you. And it really reminded me of like Terminator, you know, when uh, he gets his arm blowing off, but this machine just keeps on coming or... And it's re- it gives it a like, real horror vibe to it. And they also had this, like, cool red eyes, you know, the robots. So it's, like, dark. You're shooting them, and all of a sudden they come out of the smoke, and they're, like, crawling on the floor coming at you like Chucky and stuff. That kind of thing, that was really, really cool in this game. I thought they did that over the top. Um, did you notice this when you played the game? Oh, absolutely. It's the one thing that really stuck with me as soon as you started talking about that. I remembered that was my favorite thing was experimenting like, oh, if I shoot their legs, you know, they they crawl at me. If I shoot their head, obviously, it's it's a lot easier to kill them. Um, I love that. I, I love that. Just I mean, this was early on. Remember, this is like 10 years ago. So now that's just the norm in games. But back then it was I mean, it wasn't the first game to do it, but it was very cool. It was a very cool thing. So, like we said, um, we talked to Nego- Negoshi. This wasn't—I forgot to put this in my notes—but 
one of my other favorite things about this game is the massive bosses, and it, and it, and it stuck to me so much that when we had a negotiate interview, I had to ask him, uh, how has the team managed that, that to have a heavy, heavy story but also have bosses, and do they think it's essential to video games? Because, like, I remember playing Gears of War 1, and they didn't really have that many bosses, at least memorable bosses, outside of the last boss. So he says, I personally feel bosses are essential to action games, but story is also very important because games become more exciting when unique bosses appear in an interesting story. When we are working on Binary Domain, we had some, uh, some of the boss ideas in mind from the beginning, but some of the bosses were elaborately developed through the development of the game. In the end, I think they both worked out very well. Um, so... I have to agree. I think the bosses are awesome. I wish more games... Like, they have these, like, massive robots you have to, like, climb up, destroy uh, certain parts. And they they just did a really good job. They really let their uh, imagination flow when it came to that. So, big ups to that. Um, the next... This is actually a mode that... Multiplayer mode. Which is surprising because Sega, at this time, was getting a lot of grief for Vanquish not having one, right? So, Sega really felt mm-hmm. like this game needs a multiplayer mode because this this is supposed to be sega japan's big game like not vanquish not bay yes yeah, not bayonetta they thought this was it this is going to be their worldwide hit so they needed a multiplayer mode and so we got this uh multiplayer mode and we actually talked to negotiate again and this is back to our interview we asked them uh-huh. about saying that this is the first time they ever made a multiplayer game right so what did they uh, learn? And he said, I've been creating games for 23 years, but I don't have a lot of experience when it comes to online elements in the shooter genre. So frankly, I stumbled around when we were creating the online multiplayer part of the game. I had a lot of discussions with the staff that were familiar with online development. As a result, I think we got an online multiplayer mode well comparable to existing shooters. After all, good balance makes for great online features. So we just repeated a lot of trial and errors as long as time permitted. Um, And actually, (laughs) Binary Domain is a full-fledged multiplayer game. Like, there's a lot of modes, but a lot of them are very, like, generic with, like, new titles, which is kind of like, you know, the trend with video games. So we got Data Capture, which is basically a capture the flag with data modules instead of flags. Uh, domain control, which is king of the hill, where a, one team defends a point while the other tries to capture it before the Titan limit reaches zero. Team survival, mm-hmm. where you team up and the last person standing is crowned the winner, you know, the team's winner. Operation, mm-hmm. one team defends supplies while the other has to destroy them. It's kind of a lot like, you know, domain control that we just talked about, but instead of protecting. Uh, instead of protecting uh, objects, you're protecting territory or the other way around. Operations is the object. Team deathmatch. Each team tries to kill the opposing team as many times as possible before the time runs out. Highest frag count wins. Free for all. Same thing as team deathmatch, only that you're by yourself and you get the most kills you win. And this is the one I played the most of with uh, some of our uh, beautiful readers. Some that you hate, Spencer. <laughs> like I played with Spencer, by the way. I know you don't like them. Um, invasion. I yeah. <laughs> I'm just joking with you. Um, I mean, who yeah, won? But go on. And even his mom. Anyway, um, this co-op <laughs> mode is the one that I played the most. 
uh, where you beat progressively harder waves of enemies until they reach you reach the end, like level 50 or 100. I forgot how much. Plot spoiler, I never reached the end. It's really, really, really hard. It's ridiculously hard. Like, you get to a point where they one-shot you. Like, we were playing with a team of four, hmm. and I remember we're like, did you survive? All right, hide in that corner. That They can't attack you in that corner. And then, like, <laughs> one person would hide in the corner and try to come back and save us. It's it's insane because, mm-hmm. like, it, it's hard. It's hard. You have to be really good at that game. And I think they made it almost impossibly hard. I have to see if anybody actually got the trophy for that. Probably like point one one zero. I mean, zero zero one percent. But uh, did you play any of these modes online? Did you even care the game had online? And are you shocked at how many modes it had? I I dabbled in it. I always like to try every mode at least once. Mm. Um, I thought it was cool. Honestly, it reminded me a lot of Out Trigger. Mm-hmm. If you remember that Dreamcast game. Um, just because, like you said, like these are, despite the titles, these are all very basic modes that you would find in any third-person shooting game that has multiplayer. And if you've played Out Trigger, if I remember correctly, it's a first-person and third-person game. You can switch the perspective depending on what you like. AM2 game. I could be wrong. Um, it's a cool game, but it's just like, it, it is definitely like a very non-Sega game. So to see them actually dipping into this is kind of surprising. Um... But yeah, overall, I mean, it's cool that they put this in there. I'm very glad that they did. If I remember correctly, uh, Anarchy Reigns has co-op too. Isn't that the... Anarchy Reigns. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It had. A, it, I don't know if it had co-op. I do know that it had versus mode. I didn't really play too much of that because, to be honest with you, Sega really screwed the pooch, which will, Anarchy Reigns is right. part of our discussion. I was going to talk about the multiplayer classes, but at this point, to be honest with you, we're running super late, so we might as well get into the... Right. I I just... I brought it up just because it felt like at the time Sega was aggressively putting multiplayer into games whenever they could, uh, and I felt like that was the case. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They've been doing this because uh, I think they got a lot of grief for not doing it with like uh, Vanquish and a few other games, and they really took it to heart. Um, The game Mm -hmm. had some pre-ordered DLC. Both of these were free if you pre-ordered the game. Uh, right now, you have to buy them if you buy the game. I think they're like two bucks a piece. One of them was the Dan Marshall pack, which was a single-player mode pack, which gave you a, a visually changed assault rifle that provided two new uh, modifications. Uh, one was like a shark... Uh, two years, like, there's a, a attack called Shock Burst. It had two different ones. One's called Type, type G, which is an AOE attack. And then another one was a Type mm-hmm. R, which was more of a homing ability. So it's not really that huge. I don't know why they charge for it. And then the the other one was called the multiplayer map pack, which came with a brand new ninja class, uh, two two <laughs> different weapons, which were called the. Uh, oh, I don't think I I put the notes on here. Let me see. Oh yeah, uh, the Hoga Type sixty nine sniper rifle, nice, and the Yamato <laughs> handgun, and they also came with like its own map. Uh, which I guess is cool, but like, um, whatever. Uh, the real good DLC, the one everybody really wants, we didn't get it in America. Mm. It was Japanese only. The Yakuza skins. So the Yakuza skins was were given for free to promote the game in Japan. As you could tell, you could play as uh, the Yakuza characters, the, the character selections from... Uh, uh, Dead Souls, which was coming out during this time. I, uh, I think it came out this time in the West, which is weird. You also get mm-hmm. two skins for each character. One of them, like a commando. I do like Kazuma Kiryu. looks like um, 
like uh, Rambo. I really like that. I think that's really, really cool. I think they should make a Rambo game where you play as Kazuma Kirio. That'd be awesome. But mm-hmm. anyway, uh, that that's really cool DLC. That's only for Japan, which kind of sucks. Uh, do you uh, are you surprised that Sega of America and Europe at the time didn't release the free Yakuza DLC outside of Japan? I am because that would have been really cool, and there was an audience there. It's not like these games weren't released over there. Dead Souls released over there. We did or over here. Yeah. Um, so it it's the last one. It's kind of insulting. Like this is old. This is this is the old regime making stupid decisions. Like we're sitting over here going, "Look, it's already developed. It's there. We know these characters. This would sell more copies." I mean, not to bring it up again, not that this is the Anarchy Reigns podcast, but when I learned that Bayonetta was in the game as a guest character, that's what got me to want to get the game. You know, I was like, "Oh, cool. I know her." Um it's a crossover with Mad World. But with this, it's like, like, look at how cool they look. Like, you look at these these little CG models of them. They have more character than any of the characters in the game. That's a, Like, they just, they look more yeah. interesting. Look at their costumes. I have to agree with that one. Like, Ugh. it's insane to me that it never came out. I don't know what they were thinking. Maybe they just don't think Yakuza was popular. I feel like at this time... I, I we we used to get into, I remember people telling me that people at Sega didn't like the way that we we uh talked about this game and the way they promoted it which we'll be talking about marketing next so I guess this ties in yeah. right away. So while uh, America and Europe the game received trailers and relied on big publications to promote it which a lot of the time uh at the time kept saying that the game looked bland over and over up to its release. So like IGN would always make fun of it, but Sega would invite them to multiplayer events and they did have a multiplayer event for this. And no, we weren't invited. Um, In Japan, Sega took (laughs) lighter marketing. They had a character called Assault Kun or Mr. Assault uh, ads, which happened to be live action. These comedic uh, sketches showed a green robot uh, trying to basically work in an office environment. Uh, I'm, I guess we won't be playing them because we're running short on time. And plus, they're like three minutes each. Uh, I was watching them uh, previously. But we could... I, I could probably play them in the background when we discuss this. But there's one where he's working in an office. And like um, in the office, like he's getting yelled at by a boss, right? And the, after the mm-hmm. boss leaves, the girl that he's working with gets fed up. So when he leaves, he like basically writes on the on the chalkboard like you know screw the boss i don't know what she writes something that's not good for the boss and then assault con mm-hmm. uh, mr assault is left inside the office to deal with it and he's like oh no so he goes to a race and it's actually written by permanent marker that's the comedy like and so <laughs> they have like little comedic bits like this right um cool i like it they have another one where they go and they visit the second one is where they go visit a uh a hostess, if you look at the second uh, link on the thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they visit a hostess place, and, like, I'm not going to play it on here, but, like, he's got the power to, like, know how big girls' boobs are from the distance, and they kind of use it. So so the idea is that it's, it's a robot from dy- uh, Binary Domain trying to be a normal human and, like, live in the cult- the work culture in, in Japan. Uh, so going out right. to, with the boys, you know... Uh, with hostess club that's kind of how they they did it while in america 
uh, ah, I didn't put this this uh, this picture, but in America, we basically just got what Japan gave them. So it would be like there was a trailer for how the multiplayer works. All right, that's a trailer. That's that's what we're putting out there. Um, the story trailer, you know, very basic. Or oh, this is the consequence system. I looked through all the the thing. So not great, really, because they didn't really make any ads for TV. They didn't do any print ads, which makes me feel that kind of Sega was giving up on this franchise right away before it came out. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things I will share is that uh, the first time we ever saw it in America, we got this. It's called Binary Domain Teaser Trailer. You could look it up on It's like a four and a half minute trailer. And it only got... 52,000 views and it got more negatives thumbs down than it did positives. And this is the trailer that a lot of people right. have issues with it because they literally show them screwing up and like not really communicating well. And the, but the whole thing is supposed to be about teammate um, teamwork. So a lot of people dislike this uh, early reveal. Uh, what did you think when the teaser came out? Do you remember it? I do. Uh, like I said, on our forums, there's a little time capsule of our discussion of the game and almost everyone hated it. The one thing we all kind of agreed was the last maybe 20 seconds looked like very interesting and unique. We loved the big white uh, Acropolis kind of uh, futuristic home and then showing that that woman with the baby Which... and she's got like robotic legs we just thought that looked so cool and kind of unsettling and it's whereas the rest of the game the characters just like that's a terrible introduction to be like they all hate each other yeah and they don't work they you don't know? work well together and i don't even know if any of the scenes in that teaser were even in the game i don't even remember so i think the baby one was there there's the twist like in the middle of the game is that hollow uh hollow robots can have hollow children and those children look exactly like humans. I think that's what the idea was supposed right. to be. I don't think that makes any sense, but yeah, that's, th well, that's funny because not to go on a tangent, but like if you've seen the new Picard show, it's kind of about that oh, really? where data data's like, yeah, they, AI, uh, Android technology has advanced to the point where it's like organic AI androids who can create their own life. Check it out, but it, it's 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 kind of along that same line. So I guess I'll let you. Uh, at the time, uh, a lot of the community team that was doing the marketing for this game, and I don't blame them. I think mm. at this time Sega had at the higher ups kind of thought that this game was going to be a bust, so they didn't want to uh, spend too much money promoting it. At least not having an advertisement campaign or anything. So, what are your thoughts on Sega of America handling and marketing of this game? Good, bad. Um, bad. I think at the time they kept trying to ignore what the game actually was and inside instead sell it for something that it's not. Um, in the case of Yakuza, they tried to sell it as a Grand Theft Auto, but in Japan. Um, in the case of this, I think they glossed over a lot of the things that made the game interesting, like Kane, the um, team system, the actually working as a team. Yeah. And instead we're really selling just like, you know, angry military people fighting each other. And then, oh, look, crazy robots. And um, yeah, it's mm, I mean, yeah, yeah, just miss opportunity. And and I and I it and it was very interesting, too, because like now when we complain about games, 
I don't get any sense of Sega of America or Atlas or whatever, like being upset or listening to us. Maybe they are. But at the time, like I, I remember you would tell me, or I even would see firsthand, like Sega would react to our reacting. Like, and I'm not talking about like, like to fans, I'm talking about like you and me specifically Mm -hmm. would be saying something. And then we'd get, we'd hear like Sega of America going like, uh, you guys shouldn't complain about that. <laughs> yeah. We're like, why? We want what's best for you. Like, I, I, you know what? And you know? I kind of feel bad because when you criticize some products that people spend a lot of time, like promoting and like um, working on, like they were not just doing that. They were sending. They even sent us out some press stuff. We, I got like a, I had it somewhere right. in the closet. I didn't even take it out, but it's a backpack with binary domain. You know, they were giving out stuff. They were trying to do. St- things i just feel like they were kneecapped on their budget from the higher ups i feel like the games that got more attention this year were transformed because that's sonic on it um i think that's probably it i don't remember any other game or sonic i think episode two came out this time and they were doing a lot of all stars racing yeah all stars racing the first one came out transformed um, it wasn't transformed was transformed 2010 12 this game came out 2012 2012 you're right you're right okay yeah you're right. So they had those games, and I do know. I mean, people don't want to admit it, but Sonic Four Episode Two did have uh, a lot of social media push. At least at the time, I remember they were doing a lot of like reveals. Was it this one or was it the first one? Where they were doing like reveals for concept art, and they were like drawing it out. Ah, uh, yeah, you're right. You're right for the first one. Okay, it was for the first one. All right. Um, okay, so let's look at the box art. This is this is where you shined, Barry. This right here, the, fir- the oh. first one we're going to look at is the American and the Japanese one. We already know that you don't like the American one. But what are your thoughts about the Japanese one compared to the American one? Um. All right. So, yeah, I, I was trying to kick off an article series called Sega by Design where I would look we're at like, lo- box art uh, design. We're going to look at that one next. But I'm just, I just want to know your like overall take okay. on the Japanese box art. Then we'll look at the... Yeah, my, my overall take is that... Like I said, the team mechanic is there. You get the robot there. You get a diverse team. They're not the most interesting characters, but at least they're all there and present. You get crazy big guns. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it looks cool, and you get the little touch of the Japanese setting there. You look at the American one, and it's just like, who's this dude that he's carrying? Why is everyone's back? Everyone's back is to the to the viewer, so you don't get a look at anyone's faces. Like, I'm seeing them there. I see Big Bo, but it's the back of his head. And then the robot army is interesting, but, like, why is he running away from it and blasting up here but looking that way? So it, Also, that. The, he has, like, this, like, key power going around him. He's, like, glowing blue like uh, Goku. Okay, yeah. so now we can look at your yeah. uh, on your article that you did that you were talking about. Uh, so right. introduce people right. to this. What was... What, what, you basically did a what's wrong with the box art and some people got upset about us not liking the box art. I, there's another article where I just basically said the very bad <laughs> binary domain box art. And then I did an article <laughs> about the superior Japanese box art. Um, so you, right. So breaking yeah. it down here. Uh, we have that. It's too busy. The logo, the blue mm-hmm. glow, the main character, a uh, random man, less is more. Yeah. It's so freaking bland. And you compared it to, uh, games that came out during that era which i think sega was trying to copy really 
Uh, come, yeah. Uh, so here, you, you don't like it, obviously, and then you said that the Japanese one's better. Um, right. As a graphic designer, do you think that this is a big blunder for Sega? I mean, I thought the Yakuza 4 um, box art was really, really cool in the West. Um, and it was just so weird that they dropped this one. Yeah, it's uh, it's just... There's just a lot of bad choices here. If this is your first glance at the game, I don't know if it's going to sell you on it. I, I think, I don't know if I mentioned it in the article, but like the placement of the guy's hands, like he's on the main character's breasts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's a very weird thing. I don't think in the game you actually pick people up and save them on mm-hmm. your back. So why is that, why is that the main selling point? Why is the main character, like I said, shooting up here, but looking this way? And I even showed here, like, great way to introduce the main character. Like, he's got this crazy face. He's not, he doesn't look, like, badass or angry or happy or anything. He's just going, ah! And the the box art you get here, and, and to kind of compare it to, to Out Trigger, um, let me, I'm just, I'm looking at it myself. The uh, Out Trigger box art looks just like, if you look at the American Out Trigger box art, it looks like the uh, Japanese binary domain, almost down to a T. Maybe the- that's kind of crazy. Maybe they got the same graphic <laughs> designer, but it, it just to me it's weird. I don't know. They could have just put the American logo on the Japanese one, and it would have been ten times better, and they would have saved a lot of money. I feel like yeah. they hired a graphic designer in America or the West to redo the whole cover, right? And it didn't even look cool. Even when you looked at that website, you were sh- when you did the the comparison and you showed me the Modern Warfare and the other and and Battlefield Three co- uh, covers. Those covers yeah. are cooler than the binary domain one. It's like worse. Yeah, yeah, and and like the and and you know just like the whoever whoever did this, it's like it's very clear that they hired an illustrator to come in and do something unique and original. So this is a like from my eyes like an American made piece, kind of like the um, uh, Shenmue Two Xbox cover art. That it's. I think that one's equally bad. I probably w- would have covered that one had this written series continued. But it's just. It's such a. It's such a weird choice to like put time and energy into making unique cover art for this when art is that exists yeah. is totally out there. Um, yeah, it's just it's a really weird decision, and I don't know if it's the thing that hurt the game, but it definitely hurt the it game. Definitely, yeah, it opinion. definitely didn't help the game. I'll tell you that. Um, it didn't help the game. So why were people mad at me? What was their I, problem? I don't know about this one, but I think people just got mad that we were just complaining. You know, it's funny because like people say that sometimes we kind of become off as like bootlickers for the company, but whenever we speak up, they get angry too. It's like you can never have your, yeah. you can never win. Um, let's let's nope. talk about. The bad launch. So, oh, the game finally comes out, right? We uh, we're all like, oh yeah, we're gonna. This is it. This is the new franchise. One of the biggest. Uh, uh, they wanted to capture obviously the worldwide market at the time. Uh, Sega thought Yakuza couldn't couldn't capture it. Ironically, five years after the release of Binary Domain, Yakuza would actually be a big franchise here in the West, or at least a viable franchise. I don't know how much it sells. Um, the biggest uh, boneheaded mistake Sega made was trying to come out around the time of EA's massive Mass Effect 3. Uh, it was kind of released during around the same time. Binary Domain hit America on February 28, 2012. Mass Effect 3 came out on March 6, 2012. So 
if you were waiting for Mass Effect 3 and you only had money for one game, obviously. I remember a lot of people on our site were like, I bought Mass Effect 3. I've been waiting for this game since the first one, so I can't afford to buy two games, so <laughs> I have to support one. And uh, according to the NPD sales, the American sales, Sega's game only managed 200,000 units when it came out. Uh, 20,000 20, units. Um, while Mass Effect 3 gathered up 1.5 million in sales. Uh, the game was even beaten by 3S game, 3DS games, including Kid Icarus Uprising, which did 140,000 units, and Resident Evil Revelations, which did 122,000 units. This, of course, was a massive flop for Sega of America. Um, it's crazy because uh, I even remember Kid Icarus having commercials on TV when it came out. And somehow Sega of America did, did nothing, you know? Like, do you even know who Kid Icarus is? Do you have, like, any, like... I don't. I've never heard any. It's a re. It's an NES game, but I only hear about it because they like retro YouTubers would talk about it, like AVGN and stuff. So it's pretty niche for a Nintendo franchise. The fact that like, Nintendo's okay to push a franchise's niche like that on TV, it really shows you why Nintendo is at a different level than Sega at this time. Um, yeah. Uh, it, well, meanwhile, in Japan, Binary to uh, Domain came in number two on the weekly chart, selling 73,683 units on the PlayStation 3 the first week. Unsurprisingly, the Xbox 360 version uh, didn't, didn't really chart in Japan. This was uh, stronger sales in Japan than Sega's uh, last uh, third-person shooter, Vanquish. So but it right. actually did better in Japan. Uh, this was a huge blow to, to Sega of America and Sega of Europe's future. This would lead to the cancellation of a lot of future Japanese games to America, as Sega Japan didn't think the U.S. branch could handle them. Remember why uh, Fantasy Star 2 was announced by Sega but never came? It's because Sega West was failing to meet sales for a lot of games, not just Binary Domain. Mm -hmm. Just happened that Binary Domain was one of Sega Japan's higher-budget titles. Other games that were released in 2012. And you can tell me if one of these was a bomb or not a bomb. Sonic and All-Stars okay. Racing Transformed. Not. not a bomb, yes. Sonic the Hedgehog 4, Episode 2. Disputed. I would argue that it was not a bomb uh, in terms of sales, but the first one, they could not escape the first one's um, neg negativity, and they never made a third one because of that. Rhythm Thief and the Emperor's Treasure. Bomb, yeah. but it's a good game. It is game. a good game, but I mean, bomb's bomb, you know. Um, hell yeah. yeah, Wrath of the Dead Rabbit. Uh, bomb, but it was because Sega didn't really market it too well. I, I would agree with all this, but bomb still, yes. Uh, Virtual, <laughs> Virtual Fighter Five Final Showdown. That's a, that's a weird one. Um... Not a bomb, but just kind of a weird release because people already owned it. So this was asking people to buy a digital-only version that was an improved version of what they had already bought on disc some years ago. Yeah. So, I mean, it was just nice to have, honestly. I didn't complain. I, I actually have to agree. I think the digital-only at this point was what kind of, like, set it back because... I think during this time, it was still like over 60 or 70% of people bought physical games. Now, it wouldn't have made a big difference. But back then, it was still a big deal to not be uh, on like a disc, you know? Some people would not buy digital, right. period. So uh, the next yeah. one is The House of the Dead 4, another digital-only game. Um, 
I don't know how it did actually. It got a lot of re-releases. I do know that, didn't it? Uh, well, it was one of the few times that they Sega released this game, right? It was uh, PS3 and it used move. the Move controller. Yeah, I think they did a physical copy yeah. too, and then they did a PSN version. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if there was a physical copy for this. Oh. I might be wrong actually on that one. I think I don't think there was. I think there was a Wii version of two and three. And then, a th- and then three and four released to PSN. Oh, this was the cool time when like Sega was still doing light guns. That was that was pretty cool. Little like, <sighs> like a little comeback. Like that was the only thing I liked about motion controllers that we got some of these like light gun games back. It was the only way to use a light gun on modern TVs, and I'm like, oh, I'm just yeah. And then the last one I, that yeah. I put in my list, I'm sure there's other games that came out, but Yakuza Dead Souls, which I think, yeah, bomb. this one and Binary Domain together bombing is what set us w- waiting forever for Yakuza, you know, f- uh, 5. Uh, these uh, failures led, Sega Euro- uh, led to Sega Europe uh, closing five offices in the same year, with them coming out and pissing off Sega Japan fans by saying that they would only focus on their four core franchises, uh. which included Sonic, Football Manager, Aliens, and Total War. This is what he had to say. Uh, Gurgen Post. Jurgen Post. At the, yeah, <laughs> at the moment, for us, those are the four IPs we are talking about. They are our AAA IP. At the moment, we are looking into options, of course, but it's not like we are already developing some other titles in addition to that. No. It's a focus on those four core IP. And in addition that to that, we'll have digital. And digital still means... 50 to 75 releases every year. So that's still a big number. AKA, that's why we didn't get those digital releases. Uh, according to Sega Europe at the time, these core franchises made up 65% of sales, which I probably believe it. I would assume like a lot of the other sales were probably Yakuza in Japan. Um, do you think Sega Europe was right about this? It's also quite funny that they have given up on the Alien franchise as a company. Uh, that's all I put on the notes. I mean, that's not even a question. But yeah, they have given up on Aliens, but it used to be a core IP. You remember this? I hated this time. This was when I was just like, like, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty, pretty big fanboy. I just was so disappointed in, in the decisions Sega was making at the time. I was disappointed in them going, huh, instead of trying to market games correctly and sell to the right people, let's uh, cancel everything. Don't do any more Japanese localizations. Like, it was so frustrating, George, for you and I to be seeing these these reveals in Japan and knowing, like, knowing full well they weren't coming out. It was just, like, crushing. Yeah. Because you're like, there's no speculation. There's no excitement. Like, nowadays, you see Judgment or you see um, Valkyria Chronicles 4 and you're like, you just assume it's going to get an American release. Thank God. Because back then, I was so pissed off that they were like... And this was coming from Sega Europe, who really was kind of setting the direction for Sega of America. So when when Europe is saying Sonic, Football Manager, Aliens, and Total War are our four pillars, they're really saying to Americans, Sonic, Aliens. Because let's be honest, Football Manager is not big over here in Total War well, it is a big series. It it's PC. does not like register on any Sega fans' radar. Yeah, like I'm sorry. And I, I will say that um, <sighs> looking at uh, each of these IPs now that we're looking at it eight years later. So has Sonic been fixed overall? Um, I would say Sonic still has his issues. I think I, I don't think 
during his period, I, I would say about 2015, you know, and above when they got the new Sonic people, that's when they really, got, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, Sonic Mania happened. I think that's when we got the resurgence of fan support. So I would say he's he's wrong yeah. because he's probably he's part of the problem when we got Sonic Boom and it was so mishandled. Uh, as for Total War, yeah. uh, right now it's bigger than ever. So I would say that they were smart in like investing. I mean, it's obvious to invest in your core franchises, but don't let your other franchises right. die. Like letting that Yakuza yeah. die, letting all your Japanese studio games die out. It was a bad move because then we started finding out that people like Hatsune Miku. Uh, people like Atlas Games. I mean, like Persona Five probably sold more than the both Alien games that came out. Like it's actually kind of funny. Yep. So and Sega owns the IP. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, talking to people who worked at Sega at the time, um, both then and after their time at the company, I, I really feel for them because I think internally they had this pride where they're like. Our game is Aliens versus Predator, Aliens, Colonial Marines. This is our project. This is our baby. We have a lot of say in it. Whereas with the with these Japanese titles, it's really, here's the game. It's completed. You didn't have any say in the development. You have a little say in the localization and maybe the box art, but that's it. Sell our product. And I, I get it. It's frustrating, but it's like the end of the day, do you want to feel proud of a game that people are enjoying internationally or do you want to feel proud just because you had your hands on it and i think there's been a change in the mentality over there because i see now the people working on the yakuza localizations like they are really proud of it and they feel like they're a part of the team whereas i feel like the old older you know uh, employees that were there before the shakeup they kind of felt a little like a cog i don't know like negative about it like when i visited sag of america's offices you look i did an article on the site years ago you look at the lobby it's all all stars racing transformed aliens um and then like uh like digital titles like making up like the stuff they're really pushing in the office you didn't go in there and see yakuza stuff and you didn't see a lot of japan stuff um now you go there and i'm sure it's like it's Atlas City. Yeah, you know? and um, you did <laughs> really? bring up a good point that the localization, like, we never even had interviews with people that localized these old games. So they didn't have a forefront. Like, now you go on Twitter and talk to the people that localize the Yakuza games, and they actually talk back, and they'll even explain why they did this or change something. And they're pretty upfront. Right. Before, it was like, who? I don't know who this guy is. Like, they didn't make a big deal yeah. with the localization teams at all. Right, and you'll see you'll see them on Twitter, and they'll be like, "Here's a screen cap that perfectly exemplifies why a minor change to the meaning of what a character is saying will make a much more interesting um, uh, scene and joke for players reading it in English." Like they put a lot more thought into it than just uh, in this scene. Kazuma said in Japanese, "You're dead." shithead <laughs> and since we can't say shithead we said asshole you know and you're like oh okay like it just it seems like they hired people who were fans to be honest and i, I and this is no slight to the former employees but i just feel like they weren't fans i don't think they liked the games yeah i don't think they cared i think people like the community team at least the some people i talked to like uh julian at the time he was a big massive sega fan but i felt like he just had pressure from higher ups. We were like, "Nah, this game. Uh, let's talk about Sonic or do this other game right here. This football manager will sell." 
And uh, right, so right, it's right. like, how are you going to sell a game when you're never going to like promote the game? But uh, back in the good old days, I used to have a a, uh, a series on Sega Bits or called um, Five Movies, or we had the Weekly Five, really. And it was like I used I did this one for mm-hmm. uh, Dead Souls, where it was like five movies to watch for Dead Souls, and it got really good reception because I really looked into like more underground movies. And people seem to were like asking me to do one on binary domain before it came out, so I put together a list. I'm not that proud of this list because I kind of put it together last minute before the game came out. But these are the movies that I put. I put Real Steel at the time because it was. I really should have like not. I should have put Ghost in the Shell instead of this movie. But this is a robot boxing movie. You ever watched that movie? It has. I like that yeah. movie. That's fun. It's a, it's a, yeah. Honestly, a- sorry, God. Alita Battle Angel is no different. It's a very similar movie when I think oh, about yeah. it. Oh yeah, yeah. So, and then I put yeah. iRobot, which has uh, who, which is a, a Philip K. Dick book, and uh, mm-hmm. also a. Uh, I think it's a much better book than it is a movie, but it's a it's a cool oh, popcorn yeah. and it has some cool concepts which are taken from the book and then kind of ruined. AI artificial intelligence, which I actually like this movie. I love that movie. Yeah, I like it a lot too, and I know a lot of people hate it because of the ending. Uh, go suck an egg. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I like the ending. It's, I thought it kind of reminded me of like uh, Pinocchio, right? The ending. Isn't that what it's supposed to be a drawback? Oh, I mean, we. I could. I could dole, do a whole Sega talk on AI, but it's not a Sega game. I'd love to talk about that. But yeah, it it inverted it. Basically, they created an artificial um, uh, reality for David that w- that in the end he was more real than the artificial world that they made for him. And so his love became real, basically, because he, it's its crazy. Yeah, you have to see the movie. I like the ending. And the but number yeah. one movie? Yeah, he became a real boy. Oh, sorry, yeah. It, for AI. Yeah. I put yeah. two... He became real because he was more real than the artificial intelligence created to simulate the love for him, if that makes sense. I thought it was I cool. I thought it was cool, too. I actually enjoyed it when I watched it. Um, yeah. Blade Runner, which I think is pretty obvious, um... A uh, big influence, you know, the big old skyscraper, Huge. you know. I think a lot of people are influenced by yeah. this movie. It's also a book by Philip K. Dick, yeah. who we talked about, iRobot. Uh, Terminator. Yeah. Um, good movie. Yeah. I love it. Uh, especially the first one. It has more of a horror vibe. The second one is more of like a action movie, which is cool. Just a different genre. Mm-hmm. I also put the screenshot yeah. of, uh, what's the name playing? The Afterburner Machine, which you have to have. Um, somebody told me I didn't put Ghost in the Shell, which is a very obvious thing. And I even said, I wish I could redo this list. Watch Ghost in the Shell, though, if you if you uh, gonna watch if you never watched it, obviously. Um, as far as movies, uh, I have this Nagoshi ne- uh, quote. Uh, oh, okay, never mind. No, this is actually from our interview. Actually, we asked him that if he wants Binary Domain to be a franchise, because like Yakuza Five was announced at this time. So the Yakuza series had nine games under its belt, including spinoffs. So I asked him, does he invis- Does he have the vi- the vi- you know? Does he think Binary Domain will be a success like these games, right? And he said, at first, no one expected Yakuza would be a success except for me. This was the same for Daytona USA and Super Monkey Ball. That's always how it is with my work. And now with Binary Domain, I surely have good expectations for this one. Boom. Not true. Sorry, I Ouch. I love I love him, and I, I do agree. I, I've read a lot of his old interviews with Yakuza, and he always talks about how 
he he got slighted by Xbox and he got slighted by Nintendo when he pitched Yakuza, and that's why he's stuck. He's right. stuck so so close to PlayStation because they're the only ones that like supported him. And you keep referencing this interview. I got to give you credit when I looked back at the email exchange while we were recording this with um, Sega between us and the community managers. And I remember you were like, hey, it would be really cool if we could like do an interview with one of them. And and the community manager shot back like, yeah, sure. If you can think of like an artist or maybe one of the producers, I don't know, someone like that. And you're like, actually, I just want to talk to Nagoshi because someone on our team really likes him. (laughs) And he was like, wow, that's a big get, but I'll try. And he's like, hey, good job. He wants to talk. So it's like. It, it was why aim low yeah you know? i'm like they're giving me and you know what and this is back then when the community team talked to you one-on-one and i noticed that like i would just make crazy requests i'm like i want to talk to this person we'll try they actually did try and then they would come up to me like okay we talked and there was a problem they would have been no but most i would say about 95 percent of the time it was a yes if they were promoting a game whatever mm. it took to sell it. i missed that so much i miss because it was a 28 i'm looking at it like 20 28 back and forth responses. So it was like a long email chain, just like chatting with us and getting everything going. You know, it's not like now where they're just like, hi, this is an automated email. Would you like a review copy? Yes or no. Yeah, it <laughs> does know? make their lives a lot easier, but they were a lot more uh, supportive yeah. of the site. But yeah. Um, yeah. I know there's a lot of hardcore Sega fans out there still dreaming about, about binary domain two to return. So Sato was asked about the game in 2018, and then he and he had this to say to uh, the game blog, a French blog, it's .fr. He said, as, as far as I'm concerned, I would love to make a sequel. It is purely a question of practicality and administration. It's up to Sega to decide whether or not they want to do it. So, no. But, uh, I mean, at least he left you on the, <laughs> uh, I'm up for it, no, and maybe it'll happen. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, yeah, not Yakuza, uh, but I'm saying there's a lot of like resurgence right now for bringing back old IPs like Jet Set Radio, Skies yeah. of Arcadia, even the game developers are coming out now on Twitter and like trying to gain, gain support for these sequels. So I think on the list of Sega stuff, I mean, I think this might be lower than most people expect. I still would love to see maybe if they rethink the whole thing. But like you said, I don't know. Like they got Yakuza going. They got a new storyline with Yakuza with brand new. We have a basically a brand new system and a brand new world of Yakuza with Ichiban, right? So it would be weird, but right. that's all. I mean, what do you have to say before we get into the comments and close it up? Um, not, you know, I, I mean, I feel like we bashed the game a little too much, but end of the day, you know, the, the plot I thought was unique and interesting and original. Um, I thought the gameplay, I mean, I don't think we got too much into the gameplay, but I think it's just because it, it worked. Yeah. I thought it was a totally functional, fun game. There's nothing, you know, I, I think sometimes some of the best game reviews are, you're just like, it's fun. It's playable. It works. It, it, you know, you can spend more time complaining than you can praising sometimes. It's like discussing the gameplay um, of like Uncharted. Yeah, it's great. But it's like once you discuss the one, two and three, it's like, yeah, you shoot, you jump, you have some platforming sections and you shoot again. Right. And so it's 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 very um, approachable, yeah. I think. And that's a good thing. It's not like we're trying to, you know, create a brand new genre here. Like it's it's very clearly a third person shooter. If you've played... A third-person shooter, you will get into this game and play it and have a fun time. So, uh, 
I recommend I it. Do too. I like the game. What's your preferred way to play? No voice. <laughs> Just use the controller. No voice. I played it on. I which, played it on uh, PS3, which console? But I will obviously suggest the PC version just because you get higher frame, uh, you get a higher com- uh, mm-hmm. picture. But yep. I know the 360 version is better than the PS3 version. But the PS, they're like very close. It's almost to like the point where you're like drawing straws right here, like a couple of frames per second. So it's not that big of a right. deal. Right? Yeah. I pl- um. So- I played the 360 version, but at this point, get the PC one yeah. for sure. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's a good game. I liked it. It's a, unfortunate that it failed, but I think they learned a lot of lessons and you know, it, it, w- what happened happened. We can't change it now. Um, should we read some of these Patreon memories? Go for it. All right, cool. So if you support us on Patreon at any level, you will have your comment read and oh my God, I'm kind of regretting making that <laughs> that promise now because we got a lot of comments but i'm going to read our our chooser our picker tyler olu who picked this game he really wanted us to review it so here we go uh he said i can't help but think that binary domains reception was a victim of expectation gears of war had three successful entries with which spawned a wealth of inferior copycats a lot of folks expected binary domain to be sega's attempt at cloning that series but nothing could be further from the truth binary domain surpassed the gears series in many ways and kept things fresh with a terrific story great voice acting and thrilling boss battles the the ways enemies just blew apart really sold the damage i was doing and the relationships i built kept me engaged throughout i hope the Yakuza Studios takes another shot at the genre soon. Uh, William Escobar said Binary Domain was very underrated and could have been a great franchise. There were some rough edges and stuff like trust levels upgrading could have been flushed out more, but for Yakuza Studios' first crack at something totally different, even if Dead Souls was their test run, it was great. Plus, in a twist, they used English actors like, you know, like they mentioned, he goes through them all. Um, the enemies and boss fights were pretty cool too, with the damage system being interesting and the effects it could have. I can't comment on the mic commands because I never used mic and wasn't interested in doing so. What I did like was that the trust levels affected how certain scenes played out and how in some sections you, you lay out, the layout had characters questioning your choice or altered your commentary, their commentary. Uh, story was pretty solid, not much in goofy moments as with other Yakuza stories, but it was entertaining with some memorable characters and moments. I really liked the title and was disappointed it didn't sell well. I bought the title on all three platforms. Holy crap. Also a shame that Sega didn't talk about this title even in Japan. I think a higher res port or a remaster like the Kiwami titles might be better received these days with people being more aware of the Yakuza franchise. It's a title that screams Sega and it would be great if in, in a if was appreciated more, at least Fist of the North Star. Oh my God, I completely forgot about that. Yeah. Fist of the North Star Lost Paradise had the main theme as a tune you could listen to while driving. First off, I didn't know Fist of the North Star had a binary domain reference. Secondly, I forgot about that game. I I put in uh, uh, in a lot of hours. I'm almost to the end game on it. Like to the point where I'm like, I only need a few things to do to like 100% it. And then I just stop playing because it's, that game got to a point where it's just like a like a grind. You have to like go outside in the desert and like get all these materials just to make one item and then use that item to make another item. And it's like so confusing. I had a chart. I literally had a chart with like uh, with like a pen and paper. Sorry. 
I am embarrassed to say I bought the game and never even put the disc in the machine. It's uh, pretty fun. It's a, it's a little low budget, but it, it, it's it's a pretty fun game. I, I never really liked this in the North Star, but I really enjoyed the story on that. You should play it. Okay. Uh, Daniel Andres, our uh, longtime commenter with the Choo Choo Rocket avatar, um, said, I just started playing this game. Don't know much about it. I think it's pretty awesome that the same guys who make the Yakuza games made this, though. I got past the first level and boss so far. Also, I love the installation screen. It had a lot of uh, it had a lot of personality and wish that more PS3 games did something like that. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for watching, viewing, and George, you want to wrap it up? I agree with everybody that said the bosses were the best thing for this game, and we should have promoted them more. Catch you guys next week. I mean, next time. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>